Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. I'm so excited to be back with you guys. We're continuing in our series, in our study in the book of Ephesians called Into the Mystery. And it's been an amazing study where we've been looking closely and in depth at Paul's letter to the Ephesian Christians. And we called it into the mystery because we're studying how God, the mystery of God's will to bring all things together in unity under Christ. And this weekend, we're going to be looking more deeply into this mysterious plan because in chapter three, Paul has so much more to say about this plan. And I'm excited to go there with you. Um, But before we go into that, I want to read the passage for you today. Beginning in verse one, it says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles, the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone, the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now in him and through faith in him, we approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. There's so much in this passage about this mysterious plan of God that I can't wait to go into more with you. And so here we go in verse five, it is a mystery. He says, because God's plan had been hidden for most of human history. So for most of human history, the world didn't fully understand what God was doing and planning to do to bring the whole world back under his leadership again. Secondly, in verse four, it's a mystery that was made known through the life and the death conquering resurrection of Jesus. So it's, it's, it's a mystery of Christ, Paul calls it. And then thirdly in verse six, it is the mystery of the gospel, the good news that God is transforming this world and bringing everything together into relationship with him. Now, what we want to dive into is what does it really look like for God to do this, right? We see that God revealed his plan through Jesus 2000 years ago, but how is God continuing to reveal his plan for us today. Um, And that leads us to the focus of the message, right? So the focus for this weekend and for right now is this, God reveals to us to reveal through us. Let me say that again, that God reveals to us in order that he might reveal through us. 
And that's what we, the picture that we get as we unpack Paul's calling as an apostle to Gentiles. So first I want to unpack the first part of that statement. How does God reveal his mysterious plan, his gospel to us? And we're going to see that right away in verse three, where he says, the mystery is made known to me by revelation. And then again, Paul talks about it again in verse five, where he says, this is revealed to me by the spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So right here is this word to revelation and to reveal. And this is the Greek word apocalypsis. It's where we get the word um, revelation for the final book of the Bible. And what it means is, is it means to uncover, to make known, to make clear, or to reveal. Now this word in the new Testament is used in two general ways. It's used one to refer to ways in which God is revealing apocalypsis, revealing his will to people. Number two, it's also used in talking about the revelation of Jesus at his return. So it's a really important and powerful term. What's important about this term in this particular context is it captures the fact that what God is doing in the world is, is hidden and it's hidden on a couple different levels. Number one, it's hidden for not for us as non-believers when we're not a follower of Jesus, what God is doing in his plan, his truth, his wisdom is hidden from us. And so I want to explain that it says here in second Corinthians four, four Satan, who is the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Okay. So what is this saying to us that for unbelievers who don't know Jesus, it's the inability to understand the truth that Jesus really is the way, the truth and the life is not ultimately and fundamentally an intellectual problem. It is a spiritual barrier. It is a type of um, spiritual paralysis or what Paul here calls spiritual blindness. There's an inability to see the truth of God because of the deception, not just coming from other human beings, but he anchors and roots that deception in the spiritual realm, in that unseen realm that he talks so much about in this letter. And he ties it to Satan, who is the God of this world. And we'll talk about more about that later, but here's the point. It is the Holy spirit who frees us from the blinding influence of the spiritual forces of evil. That isn't to say that for us as believers, how we talk to people, how we interact, that reasoning, that um, a godly lifestyle has no role in helping people come to know Jesus. It does, but it's, it's to the, it's the degree to which those other facets are rooted in spiritual power and in cooperation with the Holy spirit, that they have any power at all to open people's eyes to the truth of Jesus. Now this revelation this need for God to reveal spiritual truth to us because spiritual truth isn't something we can just look through you know, a Hubble telescope and perceive or through a microscope and get understanding towards. It's something that needs to be revealed by the spirit. And this is true, not just for unbelievers, but for us as maturing followers of Jesus. 
Listen to what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 117. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom. And here it is. Apocalypsis revelation so that you may know him better. Now as maturing believers, it is the Holy spirit who reveals the deep truth of God's will for our life to our innermost part. And also who helps us grow in intimacy with God and in our spiritual authority. Now this leads us then to the second part of that statement. God reveals to us as we learn through revelation mediated by the person of the Holy spirit, both to non-believers, but also for us as believers, as we continue to mature. So he reveals his will to us in order that he can reveal his will through us to other people. And I want to talk about now how he reveals the mystery of his will through us, the people of God. And for that, we go to verse one, right at the very beginning to this really powerful statement where Paul says, I, Paul am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He says a prisoner for the sake of the Gentiles. And then in verse seven, he says in describing his identity and describing himself, he says, I am a servant of the gospel. So he's a prisoner of Christ and a servant of the gospel. Now, Paul is literally imprisoned in Rome. And you can see that if you go back to Acts chapter 28, where it describes Paul's imprisonment in Rome. Now, secondly, this is where Paul writes most of these epistles that we see in the New Testament. He writes Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. And that, what that means is that from this point of imprisonment, Paul was actually set free to make an impact on millions of people for thousands of years. Now think about this. I don't think Paul could have even possibly imagined the kind of impact his restricted life was going to have as he surrendered himself to Christ for his purposes. It was in this restricted life that Jesus expanded his impact and his influence to touch people for thousands of years, touching our lives right now as we listen to his letter. And what this is, it says something really important to us about how God reveals himself through us, right? Because Paul was set apart from the world in this place of imprisonment. He was limited from just going around wherever he wanted, however he wanted, whenever he wanted. He was just trapped in this house, but it was in this place of imprisonment because he was in Christ that he was truly set free. And this is the idea of holiness. All right. Quote, holiness means to be set apart. And you can literally see Paul's imprisonment as a physical illustration or manifestation of that inward reality of his life internally to be holy. means it's an attitude and a posture of life. It means I am set apart for God's purposes. I am totally devoted to him, but you can even see that in his physical experience with this world. And it's that physical experience of being in prison that illustrates for us what it looks like to be in prison because holiness mean to be set apart to the world's eyes looks like we are just sitting in prison and under restrictions. And it's so important to understand that, that the, so oftentimes 
to grow in Christ and to grow in our holiness in Christ. So the world is going to look like we are in prison and in servitude. It says this, that in Ephesians 2, 1, Paul writes about what it looks like to be set apart from living in slavery to the world. Because to be set free from slavery to the world means to be imprisoned to Christ. To be imprisoned to Christ is to be free from the world. Now listen how he describes what it means to be enslaved to the world. The ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Now the world thinks we are crazy fools for living this way, right? We look foolish to them when we choose not to live in slavery to our careers, to wealth seeking, to our political parties, to social media or sexual pleasure or whatever other thing it means to live according to the world's pleasures and gratifications that Paul is talking about. He's talking about living in slavery to greed, to pride, to lust, to anger, to fear, anxiety, and insecurity. Because those are the things that come out of these kinds of addictions in our life. And the world thinks we're nuts, right? Because this is all the world knows. And so we look like fools living in prison. But when you are united with Jesus, you become a prisoner of his eternal love, his lavish grace, and his renewing peace. You see, Paul identifying himself as a prisoner of Christ is the way he describes what it means for him to be united with Jesus because our union with Jesus sets us in places of authority in the heavenly realms. But in this world, oftentimes it will look like prison and servitude. It will take on the tone and quality of humility and gentleness And at times a restricted life that is set apart for God's purposes. And the world is like, why don't you just do that? Why don't you just keep that for yourself? Why don't you just hate that person? Why don't you just go with the flow? And the truth is, is because we are being made holy. We have been set apart for Christ. Now this is a crazy attractive life. This is a supernaturally attractive life. Holiness is supernaturally attractive because this is the life of Jesus. Because Jesus was holy, he was incredibly patient. He was kind. It was out of holiness, his holiness being set apart from the world's ways that he was generous and wise and loving. It is attractive because it is human life absolutely free and fully alive. And it's a paradox, right? This idea that by becoming a prisoner of Christ, you are fully alive. This is the paradox of scripture. I want to give you an example of how holiness can be powerful and attractive. One of my good friends, he was my best friend at the time. His name was Payson and we were good friends and we became friends before we were followers of Jesus. And At a certain point, he made it clear to me, he wasn't going to continue doing the things we used to do as friends before Jesus. And I was like, bro, why won't you do this? And why won't you do this? And why are you getting weird on me? You don't want to party anymore. What's the deal with you? And he just looked at me square in the eye and he was really honest with me. He just said, you know, unashamedly, he told me, 
because I follow Jesus now. And I just thought, dude, my friend is a Jesus freak. He is so weird. And it, and, and to be honest, it freaked me out and it made me a little uncomfortable. And I did judge him. I thought he was a total dork. And I thought maybe our friendship couldn't go on anymore, but there was something attractive about his life because he was free from worrying about what people thought of him. He didn't care. If people thought he was a dork. There was something attractive about his boldness and his, his honesty to tell me I follow Jesus and I could see, I could see an overflowing peace and joy in him, a confidence, a firm foundation in his life that I hadn't seen before. And this made me curious. You see, like in this moment, my friend is being honest about the holiness that's happening in his life. And it was that holiness that drew me to him. Holiness isn't some prudish uptight life. You know, it's like totally the opposite. It, holiness is about the magnetism of the divine life radiating from within us. That, that is holiness. Holiness is freedom to be who you were made to be not driven by the fear of what other people think of you or how the world is trying to conform you to its consumer image. That's powerful. And the world is hungering for that kind of example in this life and in you, because it's what we were all made for. We were made to live that kind of free and holy life, not trying to fit in to the status quo, but the courage to be set apart the courage to stand out like shining stars in the night. So if holiness is about what God is doing to us to reveal himself through us, what is our role in this whole thing? Where do we come in? What's our response to this? And I want to talk to you about this idea of consecration because consecration is about our choice to cooperate with God in this process of becoming holy, this life of radiating the attractive and the magnetic beauty of Jesus's life so that other people want to know God, not because we're trying to control them, guilt them, or scare the crud out of them, but because they're drawn to the irresistible beauty of Jesus's life in us. Now, I wanted to unpack this idea of consecration for you. And I want to just look at Paul's example of consecration in prison as a prisoner. How does that help us understand what it means to be consecrated? Consecration for Paul meant obeying Jesus, no matter what the cost for Paul to talk about Christ. It meant he would be put in prison. It meant he would be stoned. It meant that he would be hated and at times rejected. All of that, not because he was rude or harsh or fighting against the government in some unnecessary way, but because he was pure and simple, just talking about Jesus to people and that enraged people, but he was willing to obey Jesus and pay whatever cost it might bring to his life. And I want to talk about that. That's so important as we think about what it means to consecrate ourselves and participate in this process of becoming holy. Acts chapter 20, verse 23, Paul writes, 
I only know that in every city, the Holy spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Can you imagine if someone gave you a prophetic word like this, you know, the spirit is prophesying. It's going to be hardship and prison. You're like, you know, I think that was a false prophet. We're going to move on. (laughs) But listen to what he says. He goes, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. This is a life set apart to God. This is a holy life. This is the impossibly irresistibly attractive life of a prisoner of Christ. God reveals himself through people who are willing to become prisoners of Christ and people who become prisoners of Christ become servants of his gospel. Now he talks about the cost in this moment and what it cost him, the hardship and the heart and the difficulty. This is really important, right? Because the cost is how we reveal our willingness to pay the cost is how we reveal what Paul calls the boundless riches of Christ. Now, when I really explain this, because what you are willing to pay reveals the worth and the value of something. That's really important for you to pause and think about the cost you're willing to pay reveals the value of something. Now hold on to that idea because there are these places in our life where God is asking us to obey him at whatever cost. But, you know, we've come up against that cost, like a brick wall. And say, I don't know if I'm ready to pay that cost. I don't know if I want to make that sacrifice. And so we're stuck. And so we've kind of slowly retreated or compromised or given up ground in our maturing life with Jesus. There's two places where we have to pay that cost. Sometimes it's in our private life, right? Where nobody sees it. I want to talk about the private place of cost. When our cost is in private and hidden from the world. This is what the, he's saying right here in Ephesians three, when we are willing to pay that cost in that hidden place where nobody else sees it, get this. We are revealing the boundless riches of Christ in verse eight to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms in verse eight, look at, I mean, verse 10, look at verse 10 in private, in that quiet place where nobody sees you, when you're willing to pay that cost, you are giving witness and testimony to the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. I know this seems weird. We normally think about our witness first and foremost to people, but Paul is saying, man, it is so much bigger and profound than just that. Now, this has an important part in how God reveals himself to the people in our life, because by revealing and taking this stand and paying this cost before the watching crowd of spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, we gain spiritual authority over those forces of evil in that realm, which enables us to reveal Christ in powerful ways but we're also called to pay that cost publicly in ways where people can see. We see Christ doing that. We see Paul's imprisonment doing that. And this is where we reveal the boundless riches of Christ to the unbelieving world. They go, whoa, you're, you believe in Jesus that much that you're willing to give up your money 
out of generosity to that person. Whoa, you believe in Jesus that much that you're willing to forgive that person who offended you so deeply. You see how this cost that we're willing to pay is actually the way we reveal the worth of Christ in the heavenly realm and to the people around us. Where is Jesus calling you to obey him? But maybe the cost of that obedience stopped you in your tracks. Maybe there was a cost because in obeying him, it meant breaking up with someone in a romantic relationship you're having a hard time letting go with. Maybe it's like Jesus wants to reveal his generosity in a supernatural way, but you are not willing to pay the cost and give up some of your financial resources for God to make that revelation known through you. Maybe he wants to reveal the revelation and the greatness of his grace simply by you obeying him and confessing sin in your life and showing the spiritual forces of evil that are hidden and unseen, that his grace is stronger than the sin that condemns and accuses you. There's spiritual authority here. Let me just tell you one quick story. That spiritual authority has power to reveal the life of Jesus to people. I was meeting with a student at a retreat she pulled me aside after one of the messages I gave and she was sharing me with uh, about these anxious thoughts that were harassing her day and night. These anxious thoughts were with her all the time. They were getting to the point where they were causing her to want to even take her life. I had battled with anxiety and depression and in that quiet place, I had paid that cost and held on to Jesus even when it didn't feel easy to follow him. I didn't see any benefit, but there I was years later with this student. I just gently looked at her eyes and I just said to her, um, in Jesus name, I bind and I command any unclean spirit from harassing you right now. And I just bless you to be free in your thoughts in Jesus name to be filled with the thoughts of his love for you and his forgiveness and his presence. She just, she just looked at me and it was such a gentle moment. It wasn't loud. It was quiet. It was just this quiet moment. And, you know, and just tears just started streaming down her eyes. She's like, those thoughts are gone. She just smiled. And it's that image of that memory of her smiling that just, it just wrecks me. You know, it's just, ugh. She said, I feel the peace of Christ in a way I've never felt before. When we're willing to pay that cost, our spiritual authority, our intimacy with Jesus grows and our authority grows. Our capacity to cooperate with the Holy spirit gets bigger. And through us, because in the secret place, we've paid that cost. Holiness has matured in you. 
and a power can come through you to reveal Jesus to people in a way that your intellect, your good looks could never do. I want to invite the band to come right now. We're going to go into a time of worship. And I just want to invite you to bring this message to Jesus in worship. And where does Jesus, where is he pressing the boundaries of his holiness in your life? Where is he inviting you to consecrate yourself so that he can reveal himself to you and through you to our unbelieving world? So here's, here's the main idea. By allowing God to reveal himself to you by revelation through his spirit, he can reveal himself through you to others. He reveals himself to us by the Holy spirit, through the scriptures, through the community of faith, not just for our own benefit, but so that we can reveal the mystery of God's gospel to the people around us. And he does that through our willingness to grow with him in holiness. We allow him to grow us in holiness. We participate with him and cooperate with him by consecrating our life. And maybe that just begins with by simply confessing if there's any area in your life where you've been struggling to obey him, where there's been a cost that you've just been afraid to, to make. Jim Elliott, a famous missionary once said, you are no fool when you give up what you cannot keep only to gain what you cannot lose. Where is Jesus inviting you to pay a cost in order that you can reveal the boundless riches of his goodness because he is so worth it. There's nothing you can sacrifice that can compare to what he has given us in his love and what he will continue to give you in overflowing measure. And so I want to finish this with this blessing. Paul finishes in verse 12 and I bless you in him, in Christ and through faith in Christ, may you approach God with freedom and confidence. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms has been given to you. You have been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And I bless you to see that place you have in Christ and to access that authority for the sake of the world around us. God bless you. Have a good week. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.